This is the SG Tour Report from Secret Golf. Hi, and thank you very much for listening to our podcast. My name's Diane Knox, and well, we always enjoy doing this podcast week after week, and we've been doing it for such a long time now. But like the best time to do this podcast is when we get to talk about a win on the Secret Golf team. And we get to do that today. It was the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek last week and the first ever win for Jason Kokrak. 233 starts on the PGA Tour and he finally got it done. I mean, it, it was a long time coming and we have such a good relationship with Jason that we talk to him a lot and he's been close. 2019, he had like five top 10 finishes, finished in second place at the Valspar Championship in the 2020 season, which was weird for everyone, three top 10 finishes, but he made it to the Tour Championship and that meant that for the first time he was going to be playing in the Masters. So a bit of disappointment when it was postponed in April, but of course he's got that to look forward to in like three weeks. And now with the win, well, he gets to play in the Masters next year, gets to go to Kapalua, everything else that comes from that. And uh, what a place to do it. Shadow Creek was unbelievable. And, um, you know, when you look at his stats, he was first in strokes gained putting, first in greens and regulation. And Kokrak, who's known for being one of the longest hitters on the PGA Tour, was something like 28th in driving distance. And we're going to talk about that and how the discipline and the strategic play, along with unbelievable putting form, really led to that victory. I should say as well that we've been talking to Kokrak and we are going to record a little bit with him. We'll do a Zoom. And when you win on the PGA Tour and then you're playing the following week, you're pulled in a million different directions and you've got all these media obligations and everyone wants to talk to you because you're a man of the moment. So we're just trying to figure out his schedule for the week and try and get a little bit of time with him. But we'll do it as a Zoom and we can put it up on all of our social media channels and we'll maybe put it out as a little mini podcast. So today on the podcast, well, of course, we're going to be looking back on last week and we're going to be talking about the Zozo Championship. Now, this tournament was originally meant to be in Japan, but of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, that wasn't going to happen. So instead, it's being played in LA at Sherwood Country Club, a course which is very iconic on the PGA Tour. It has been around for a while, hosting the Shark Shootout for many years and then Tiger's Hero World Challenge. So it's only fitting that Tiger's defending champion and gets to go back to a course that he knows so well. Now, we record the SG Tour report as a TV show, which goes out on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday at 2pm. And then it's repeated at 3, 10 and 11 all times in Eastern. So there's lots more in that if you want to watch and all the information on how to watch is on our social media. We'll be posting it there. And if you go to sportsgrid.com, but we like to turn it into a podcast because of course we know that people listen when they're in the car or at work or running around doing things. And we want to make sure you get all the information for your picks for the Zozo Championship. Well, every week's a big week, Diane. This week, uh, I suppose I know this course well. I've played at Sherwood many times. Uh, of course, this this is the tournament that Tiger Woods won last year in Japan, the Zozo event. It was a new event on the tour. 
they've done a good job, Diane, of bringing some of these events back. They did CJ Cup. We're going to talk about our own uh, Jason Kokrak, who won that yesterday in Vegas. But they've got this this event just down the road in Los Angeles. Great golf course. Very different skill set required this week uh, than, say, it was in Japan last year. But we got Tiger Woods back. So, um, I mean, this time of year is meant to be the Asia Swing where we would have the tournament in South Korea, China for the WGC and the Zozo in Japan, as you said. But with everything going on with COVID-19, that was obviously not possible. So it's fantastic that we do get to see Sherwood this week. It's an iconic course. It's been a course that's been used as a a PGA Tour venue for many, many years. And we're going to go into that in a little while. As you say, Tiger Woods reigning champion. And this should suit him to a T, bearing in mind that Sherwood was the host course for Tiger's Hero World Challenge for 13 years. And you wouldn't know this, or maybe you do. Did you know that at Sherwood this week, when they they zoom in, Diane, they show you the beautiful side of Los Angeles. You remember the show? Mash. You remember the show Mash? That sounded That was terrible. So what? The intro to Mash was filmed here? It's filmed on the 12th hole where they, they shoot the helicopters coming into MASH. Ah. And every year every year that I played in this tournament, the lady who was the, the lady marshal on the 11th tee, as we walked up to the 11th tee, she would sing the MASH song for us <laughs> as we walked to the tee every day. And we would picture those helicopters coming in on the show. So it's a great golf course. It's, it's one of the most... Um, well, we saw a very interesting course last week at Shadow Creek, but this week it's a little bit different. There's more water to go over. There's yeah. It's a very tricky little golf course. We, we knew Tiger Woods is one there, but we're going to break all that down for you right here. Well, let's go back and we'll talk about Shadow Creek in Vegas. It was the host course for the CJ Cup, which, as I said a minute ago, was meant to be held in South Korea. But it was... Jason Kokrak, who won. Now, Jason Kokrak is a Secret Golf contributor. He has been since the very beginning. We've worked very closely with Kokrak for many, many years. And it was always so crazy and baffling that he had never won on the PGA Tour. He'd been playing for like, what, 12 years or something and had never been a winner. So this victory is so special in so many ways. Well, I was here. I'm in Atlantic City up in New Jersey near the boardwalk, and I was in the casino yesterday. Everybody, It's like a ghost town up here, Diane, had our masks on, and when Kokrak hit that 330-yard drive down the ninth, the 18th hole and then on the green with his second shot, I stood up and I was clapping, and everybody <laughs> had their masks, and they're looking around like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. But um, I had sent him a text. But the interesting thing about Jason Kokrak, Diane, was how he won this event yesterday. So much talk on the PGA Tour of Bryson DeChambeau, put it on a bunch of weight, hitting the ball a mile, taking all this uh, advantage of statistics where he can get to the green easier. But interestingly enough, Diane, Jason Kokrak, who's one of the longest hitters on the PGA Tour, ranks in the top five every year on the tour in length dropped down last week to the top 30 in the driving distance. Jason Kokrak hit the ball last week in relation to the field, the shortest he's ever hit it, hit the most greens he's ever hit, 80-something percent, and then putted fantastic. Diane, this is a revelation. A guy that went for shorter off the tee won the tournament. 
Um, going back to something as well, we did say last week that we thought momentum was going to be a huge factor going into the CJ Cup. And okay, with Matthew Wolf, as you say, he he didn't play disciplined, so that didn't work out for him. We know how far he hits it, and he was just trying to bomb it everywhere, here, there, and everywhere. But then you look at a guy like Terrell Hatton, who we did rank very highly because we said momentum would be key. He had come off the win on the European Tour and ended up finishing top 10, um, was in contention for a while until he went kind of high on Saturday. But, you know, that did have a lot to do with it. And Kokrak had some momentum heading into the CJ Cup too. Yeah, and Mark Hubbard was another one we mentioned as the good uh, 250 to one shot. We, we, we sort of chipped that he'd do well. Uh, finish in the top 20. So that was good for us. Yeah. yeah, we saw a guy like Terrell Hatton who actually finished last week number one in greens and reg. We saw he's number one in putting. Well, how did he, how did he, how did he take the, first, the best on the best at hitting the greens in regulation and the best at putting? How did he win? I was shocked when I looked at the uh, stats this morning, Diane. But he missed 17 greens for the week and only got up and down, uh, I think, seven of those. So he made eight bogeys or nine bogeys from right off, right around the green. So scrambling pays a part in all of this, Diane. But I just, I just think it's refreshing to talk about it on this show today that it highlights what we know is you can't just take any old statistics into every week and overlay. You've got to have a plan to play these golf courses. For sure. So you talk about greens and reg and we talk about precision and having discipline off the tee. And that is really going to apply this week to the Zozo Championship at Sherwood. We have to talk about why you know this course so well. And uh, you're not one to big up your achievements, but I'm going to do it for you because you've won three times on this course. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've had some success at this course. This course, Diane, if I was on your little secret list in front of you this morning, I would probably be rated really high up there. Why would that be? Why would Steve Elkington be rated well to play at Sherwood? Because... Sherwood, Diane, um, it doesn't let the driver go. You can't use a Bryson, even though Bryson's not playing. Tiger Woods, of course, we're going to talk about him. Dustin Johnson, some other big hitters. Matthew Wolf, they're all playing. Phil Mickelson is coming back from the Champions Tour after winning back-to-back over there. You don't need driver here, Diane. These, there's a lot of little creeks. There's a lot of little dog legs. Everybody has to play about 12 of these holes the same way. It's going to be exactly the same kind of week as it was last week. Guys like Kokrak who had to put the driver away or or decided to. So it's all about accuracy with the irons. I mean, that was my game. My whole game was to be able to try to hit the ball at the pin, Diane. And if we look at the history of this event, when Tiger had his tournament, Graham McDowell's won on this course twice. Mm-hmm. Jim Furyk's won on this course. Zach Johnson, all precise players. Um, so... I think this course certainly favours a, a uh, precise hitter. Of course, Tiger Woods won. He also put the driver away the year that he won here. So it's a very it's a very distinct little course here. When you won it, and I'm going to go back to this, it was the home of the Shark Shootout, which is now played at Tiburon in Naples. So you play with a partner. And what it was at 93, 95, and 98, you won. Three different partners. Um any one year in particular really stand out to you? And which partner was that? Well, the middle one was uh, Mark Kalkovecki and I were great friends. But Raymond Floyd, who was uh, a, a, a really good friend of mine on the tour, he asked me to play in it in 93. And I was a little bit nervous about playing with Raymond as my partner because he was such a 
such a tough guy, but we had fun and we won that one. And then, of course, Greg Norman, he'd never won his own tournament. So I had to, he had to recruit me to come over and help <laughs> him win his own tournament. I'm, I'm staying with that story, Diane, in 1998. So uh, it was it was good. You know, it was a great it's a great place. All those guys hit the ball pretty far off the tee. And they relied on me, of course, to hit the irons accurately because it was a, a team event. So, uh, yeah, that was it was a, it was a great course for me. Well, there you go. That reinforces the precision shot to the green. So Tiger Woods is defending champion. And this was also the home to Tiger's Hero World Challenge from 2000 to 2013. Tiger himself has won here five times. He's finished runner-up five times. It's almost like when they decided that they weren't going to be able to hold this tournament in Japan. Tiger's defending champion. Where should we play? So it's... um, it obviously, on paper, you would think going back, this is handmade for Tiger to defend and hit the 83 wins. However, what do you think about Tiger coming back this week and the fact that he doesn't really have any form? Yeah, it's uh, it's great that he's hosting. It's great that he's defending. Well, I, I guess he's not hosting. He's defending champ now. Um, look, Tiger on our list of 80-some-odd guys playing this week is almost at the bottom with his statistics. You have it in front of you. They're not good. He's not driving the ball straight. He's not hitting his irons to the green, uh, onto the green. He's not even putting well, and he's not even chipping well. But, Diane, we still moved him up in our ranking from his wins at this course. We've moved him up into the top 30. It is just so hard for me to think of Tiger Woods being in contention this week he but he does know how to play it it's all about the back it's all about when can he can he make the right kind of swing to hit the right kind of shot he's obviously thinking ahead to the Masters which is coming up real fast around the corner he will be looking at coming out this week trying to test a bunch of things test his right to left shot left to right shot testing his pin high game working on his putting can he, can he compete this week? I think the odds makers have him at 33 to 1. I wouldn't put money on him this week, Diane. We have him at 32 in our re-ranking. And there's only, we always say the green numbers are the good numbers. And his only green number is his 49th on the PGA Tour for his approach shot from 150 to 175. But everything else, I mean, scrambling, he's 139th. Putting average, 156. 156 greens in reg. He has no form, so the chance of Tiger going out there and playing well this week, fine. There's the memory of winning on a course that he's very familiar with. He's back in L.A., but nothing else is in his favor. Except that he knows how to play this course. And we've seen it, Diane. We've seen guys go back to venues that they've won on, and it spurs something out of them to be able to know exactly what they have to do on this hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're not thinking about their swing. Sometimes when you go to a golf course like last week, nobody knew anything about the Shadow Shadow Creek. So maybe you're working on a particular swing or a swing thought when you get to the tee. Not for Tiger at, at this one. He knows exactly what he does when he walks on the first tee. It's a, it's a, it's a three-wood down the right side. He knows what he's got to do at two, and off he goes around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about whether he can create the shots that he sees in his mind's eye and whether his swing action is good enough to reproduce that. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's pushing his, his uh, you know, he wants to peak in about a month, and, and that's down in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So he'll have a lot of experiments going on. We saw guys come out two weeks ago from a long break. This is another one for Tiger. He used to be able to do it all the time, come out and play great. 
But there's a lot of things you'll be testing this week. So, Elk, as we were saying, um, this week it's at Sherwood Country Club in LA. And it's a course you've won on three times. We've seen it a lot on tour with it hosting the Shark Shootout, Greg Norman's tournament, the Hero World Challenge, Tiger Woods's tournament. So it's great to have it back in the rotation, albeit under a bit of a, a bittersweet circumstance. Yeah, it's, I love this course. This is a great part of the country to play out in Los Angeles. It's, it's away from Los Angeles. It's out in the foothills, just across over the hill from Malibu. We used to drive over to Malibu, Diane, and watch the sunsets come in and all that was old school Pepperdine University was right there. Just beautiful countryside over there. Um, <clears throat> but this course, make no mistake about it, Diane, this is a very tricky golf course. And you're either in the fairway or you're almost in the mountain or in the side of a hill. or It's almost like a desert course to a certain degree. There's only one way to play it. You've got to, uh, you've got to be disciplined off the tee so you can get your ball at the end of these bottleneck fairways. You can't blast it on down there like uh, we've seen Bryson DeChambeau and some of these long hitters. You've got to play a disciplined week this week. And, and, and it's very, very narrow in places. Number nine is super narrow. Oh, 16. There's a bunch of holes that you've got to hit some really straight tee shots on. We always talk about when the tour is in California, the fact that the guys that are they're from California, they live there, they play all the time, they could be at a slight advantage. Do you think that's the case when it comes to Sherwood as well? This particular, because I don't like, I would love to be playing in this tournament with no cut, with I think whatever, nine million, Jason Kokrak won $1.775 million what? yesterday. So these no-cut events with a, like a $100,000 guarantee are awesome. Uh, so I think that takes a little bit away. It also it makes it very difficult to handicap, Diane, because guys aren't playing as disciplined a golf uh, as they should be. Now, they should. We're going to talk about guys like Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, that got off to slow starts last week, but finally realized how to play the golf, the golf course. And here they come roaring back. It was too much too late. So... It's going to be interesting if they can change their thinking this week, Diane, and see if they can start to play the discipline game. Will they look at Kokrak's stats, knowing that he dropped way back and play the course slightly different? I'm glad that he did that. I think that the way that golf's been going right now, um, and especially with Bryson talking about the fact that he's going to test out all these new drivers. and Yeah, exactly, before Augusta National. So I like this. Well, let's talk about the stats that we're looking at this week when it comes to the course, and then they're going to go towards our re-ranking of the field. One of the things, Diane, I picked this week is, is driving accuracy. You know, this week, length is not all about it. I want guys that automatically hit the ball really straight. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Who comes to mind like that? Some of the guys that, that have won on this course, Graham McDowell, Jim Furyk, who led the tour for years and years in driving accuracy. Second is Green's hit. We're going to have to hit the green. We saw Jason Kokrak last week, Diane, pulled way back, hit a ton of fairways. What happened? He hit 81% of his greens. Jason Kokrak's never hit 81% of his greens. And then he putted well. What happened? He won. Maybe that's a formula for him. Maybe that's a formula for a lot of guys. So we picked... We picked uh, driving accuracy. We picked greens in reg. Yeah. And then I went through the course mentally and I kind of decided there's about 10 really important shots and they're all from about 150 to 175 range. So who who's good at that skill? Okay. Um, and you're going to tell me the last two. One is scrambling. And yeah. What's the last one? Is it putting? Uh, putting average, yeah. Yeah. So I want guys that play disciplined golf this week, Diane. 
hit the ball easily into the bottlenecks. I want them to be able to attack these flags with good iron shots from one, seven irons, eight irons. Then I want, if you miss a green, you can scramble mm-hmm. and then they can make some putts. So it's, it's, it's not rocket science as you, as you know. And it reinforces something that we always say that for certain guys to go out there and do well, they just have to outperform one of their stats. And Kokrak proved that with his greens and regs stat last week. Right, so we're going to go through our top 10. These are the guys that when we did our re-ranking using the stats for the course, they came out in the top 10. We call it the win zone. So any of these guys, I mean, you always get like the big names in here. And the guy that's number one is a guy that consistently is there. But are you surprised when it comes to what you just said about playing the course? Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson has dominated the top of our statistical uh, analysis almost every week we come to a course like this one. If you were going to handpick one guy that you just had to have on your team this week, it would have to be Webb Simpson. Mm-hmm. You've got it in front of you. He's right at the top of greens and reg. He's the number one putter on tour. He scrambles good. He hits it straight. He's not so long. You don't need to be long this week. So everything that Webb has going for him is suited for this golf course. I mean, his putting average, he's number one on the whole tour, 11th for greens and reg, 12th in scrambling, 18 for accuracy. I mean, there you go. The only one for him that is high, and it really is high, is that approach from 150 to 175. He comes in at 102nd. Do you see that when you watch him? You know, Do you see that as like a part of his game that is not the, the, the tip top? Well, he's certainly one of the elite players, Diane. Top five guy in the FedEx Cup. Um, you know, his iron, iron swing, maybe he has, a, you know, we're talking about uh, when, when he becomes the 170th ranked iron player, it's, it's proximity. He doesn't hit it as close. Maybe he's not as aggressive. Maybe he doesn't have to be as aggressive because he putts so well. Maybe he doesn't need to be aggressive because he knows he chips so well. I mean, we don't know what's going on there, but we know this, that he's always right at the top and he has plenty. He can, he can play a little bit poorly and still be right there in the stats. When you're number one in putting average, then you definitely can. Um, Coming in at number two is Rory McIlroy. Now, part of me is a little surprised to see him shoot up to number two, but the stats back it up. I mean, looking at his current form, he finished 21st last week at the CJ Cup, um, which for him, I'm sure he wanted to finish a lot higher. I thought he would at one point. So current form, we have him ranked at 12th. But when it comes to his numbers, I mean, there's nothing that is like hugely spectacular, but it all just forms something good as we know with him. Putting average, he's 38th. That approach, he comes in at 40th on the tourist, scrambling 57th. I mean, his greens and reg is not as good as you would maybe expect from Rory at 76th, but it's the accuracy right now. 155th on the PGA Tour. Yeah, well, I this is part of my pick this week of pushing Rory up the board a little bit because I think he's going to realize that this is a different style of course. So I threw out the 155th because he's not going to be able to hit driver this week. So he's not going to be able to hit it in the, in the woods this week. <laughs> he's going to have to, or hit it in the rough. He's going to have to play the course like Kokrak did. If he does then I think all the other stuff will take care of itself, Diane. And that's what I'm banking on with Rory McIlroy. I think Vegas has got him at 12 to 1 or the odds yeah. maker. I think Rory McIlroy, uh, if he's thinking at all, put his thinking cap on, then I think, look, we'll, there's other players we're going to talk about this week that probably still will play undisciplined golf and still go to bang the driver. 
I don't think Rory will do that. There's just no room for Rory to play this golf course with his driver. So that tells me he's got to lay back. And if he lays back, he's going to be fine. And the other thing about Rory is, we've seen it on uh, social media, that he's really working on his speed with the driver right now. Yeah, well, we've seen Rory McIlroy on Instagram, you know, building up his swing speed to 190 miles an hour. Uh, That will have to be on pause this week because there's no room to let the 190 uh, mile an hour driver go this week. There's a couple of holes, but... That's not, that's not what's going to win the tournament. Okay, good. Well, I hope he was paying attention to coke crack last week, then. <laughs> like a lot of people. Um, Dustin Johnson comes in at number three. We're not 100% sure if he's going to be playing or not. He had to withdraw last week for the CJ Cup because he tested positive for COVID. It would be a real shame for him to not play, only because Wayne Gretzky, his uh, father-in-law, I guess, lives on the course DJ's going to have played this course a hundred times before. So I'm sure when he saw that it was going to host the Zozo, that was like, yes, here we go. But there's still that question mark over whether or not he's going to be healthy to play. Dustin Johnson, of course, won the FedEx Cup this year. He got benched last week with COVID. Hopefully that he's a strong guy. I think he should be able to shake that off. I don't know if he'll get through the testing process. We're not going to spend too much time talking about DJ today because he may not get to play just because he may not have that. But, but certainly, Diane, he, he knows how to play this golf course. He's played 100 times with his father-in-law, Wayne Gretzky. He lives right on the 10th hole. Uh, this would be a good fit for him. Even though he's a long player, I think he's played enough to know how this course plays. And, and I think Dustin Johnson is going to be a force if he gets to tee it up. Okay. Well, he's still in the field. No official announcement yet. But as we record this, um, there's still that big question mark over him. Xander Shoffley is four in our re-ranking of guys in the win zone. And well, yesterday it was a bit of a match play event between Kokrak and Xander coming down the stretch. And Xander, well, we'll talk about his game, but what did you see from him over the weekend? I see a slight shift in the whole top of the tour and it's starting to push up towards a guy like Xander Schauffele, Colin Morikawa, sort of combination of power and strength with extra emphasis on accuracy through the whole bag. I knew it was going to be tough for Jason Kokrak yesterday. Kokrak, you know, considers himself a very long hitter, but he played he played the small ball game yesterday right with Xander Schauffele. Shoffley was right there till the end. Who didn't know that? Who didn't know Shoffley was going to be there? I mean, he's a young guy, and we all know as fans watching it that he's probably the favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's it. that tells you how good he is. I don't need to talk about Alexander Shoffley. As far as I'm concerned, this is the most perfect fit for anyone to play a golf course. I would be even so far as to say I would like to think my game was a little bit like his. I don't drive it as far as him when I play, which is accuracy all the time and play smart golf. Yeah, and the thing about Xander is his scrambling. He's number two on the PGA Tour. The greens and regs stat, which is so important, he's 10th. And you can't really overlook something like that, especially when you're saying how important that discipline is going to be this week. He just came off a second-place finish in Vegas. He had to play disciplined golf there. He's going to have to do exactly this. He's just going to take the same golf down the street and overlay it right onto a golf course he probably knows. I mean, the kid's from San Diego. I'm sure he's played there before. He's very comfortable in California. That's where he grew up, San Diego, I think he is. So, yeah, this is a perfect setup for Xander Shoffley. Okay. And then our number five guy this week, I saw him miss a shortish putt on 18 on Sunday. And uh, 
you know how mad he gets at himself. Justin Thomas. JT, um, of course, I'm very high always on JT. We saw exactly what I predicted last week at CJ Cup. He got off to a terrible start. Mm-hmm. He figured out how to play the golf course. It was too late, roared back into contention, found himself right up there again, but not quite enough. Got off to a terrible start, was in the trees on the first day, all over the place, playing too aggressive, figured it out. Yeah. I think he'll transfer himself over here and play the game he needs to right here. Okay, good. Right, so that's our top five so far. Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, if he plays, Xander Shuffley and Justin Thomas. Coming in at number six is Colin Morikawa. Now, no surprise, again, the PGA champion from a couple of months ago. He's in this win zone a lot. And, well, he finished 12th last week. Um, His numbers, when it comes to his greens and reg, he's 44th on the PGA Tour. He's an accurate driver, 31st, 26th in that approach from 150 to 175 yards. And we know that you're big on Morikawa, but what is it about his game and this course? Well, I mentioned it when I talked about Alexander Schauffele, Diane. This is another guy that I'm so big on, have been big on. We all saw Colin Morikawa drive the green in the PGA Championship, hole number 16, which sealed the deal for him to win the PGA. That is exactly the shot that he's going to be using about 15 times a day around this golf course. This course is so set up perfect for Morikawa. He went to University of Cal. He knows everything about playing out in the West Coast. But more importantly, Diane, these guys that are in the wind zone, they're just so good through the bag. Uh, this is a perfect setup for him. He doesn't have to overpower it. He's not chasing Rory off the tee or Bryson or yeah. whoever else. This is accuracy golf, and this plays right into his hands. This is a perfect setup for him. He's 61st on the tour in putting average. Would you see that as being the weakest part of his game? I don't think of my I don't think in my head, I don't think of Morikawa as a bad putter. Sometimes there's slight anomalies in um, stats. I think the best and the reason I say that is I hit a lot of greens when I played on the tour. So if I hit a lot of greens, then I'm not going to be super high up in the putting. The guy who's doesn't quite hit as many greens as a good chipper, he'll show up really good in the putting. So I I look at the I look at the money list. I look at when he wins. And that tells me how good he is. So there's, it's a combination of things. It can't just look at one stat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I said that his last finish, he was 12th. He's missed two cuts before that. So his current form is not 100% there. But we just said he won. He's finding lots of banks to put all of his yeah. money in. That's why he had a little, you know. He's <laughs> Another guy who's definitely counting his money right now is Terrell Hatton. He won the BMW Championship on the European Tour, their flagship event, just two weeks ago. He flew all the way to Vegas. And, I mean, he didn't slow down once. Saturday, he didn't play as good as he had the other three days, but he ended up finishing in third place, which was amazing. I love watching Terrell Hatton play golf because he wears his heart in his sleeve. I mean, you can see the emotion in every single shot that he hits. (laughs) Very emotional player, very uh, very volatile in a good way. I think uh, people do enjoy seeing Terrell Hatton play. Won this year at Bay Hill. Great player. Um, I was shocked. I looked at the stats this morning, Diane. He was number one in greens hit last week and number one in putting. And wow. Someone would say, well, how do you not win the tournament? Of course, he finished right there. I looked down a little bit further and I saw that he missed about 
16 greens for the week and he only only got up and down half of those so he made eight bogeys from around the green and that's what mm-hmm. cost him the tournament um last week was tricky where you where you miss the greens we've talked about on this show sometimes you've got to miss sometimes the stats don't show everything because yeah. it depends where you miss the green but if Terrell Hatton can hit the most greens of anyone and putt the best mm-hmm. then he's always going to be right in the top of the Windsor I mean, um, scrambling, he's 102nd, so that is exactly what you just said there. Um, putting average, he's third on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got the two ingredients. is very good. He's not, he's not the longest hitter out there, which suits him perfectly this week. Fatigue could be a little bit of a factor, but again, he, uh, he's, he's just coming off such a high. He had to play a, a similar week at Wentworth. You know that course in England. Mm-hmm. Played a very similar course at CJ Cup. Now he's playing another one. This sits sits right in the in the wheelhouse for him this week. Now, if the next guy didn't appear in our top ten, I would be like, he is the dark horse. He's the sizzler. He could be anything he wants because his numbers are so good and the way that he played in the CJ Cup. I mean, again, he finished third, but looking at fifth in greens and regulation and fifth in scrambling. 13th in that approach shot and well the putting we'll move on to talk about that in a minute but Russell Henley I mean this guy the past couple of weeks where has he come from yeah we he's another one of these guys Diane you know that are just starting to emerge on the tour getting confident all the way along and you know it's interesting to see these young guys he played in the last group played great last week um again it's when you hit the ball that good and that straight, just think of yourself when you go to the golf course, if you have those kind of weapons in your bag, where you just naturally hit it straight, you hit the green most of the time. There's not much stress. When you hit a lot of greens, you're going to have more putts than the average guy. So, you know, this is, this is a great week for him. He's, he's obviously collecting a lot of cash. He'll be looking for a win. Um, these are all very important things to the young people, right? They're, they're building families, buying houses, building houses, whatever they're trying to do. These are all very important. I look for people that are motivated highly. Russell Henley's highly motivated player. Coming in at number nine is John Ram, who was the Vegas favorite last week for the CJ Cup and ended up finishing 17th. He was there or thereabouts for a while. We saw a little bit of hot-headed Ram come out in Vegas, actually, if you're watching it. But um, we've got him at number nine, which is a fall for our re-ranking. Scrambling, he's 11th. Putting average, he's 8th. But then he does have some big numbers, some volatile numbers, and accuracy is something that there can often be a question mark with Ram. Well, they're all going for the big T-ball. They have been. And that's why they have the inaccuracy numbers of the driving accuracy. They've given up that number, Diane, to be way down there where they can hit a wedge in instead of being way back with a 7-iron. The reason I like Ram this week Two reasons. One, he curves the ball one way. He's a fade player. So he can play these narrow courses really good. If you think about it, Diane, if you've got a fairway down here and you only curve it left to right, you can aim down the left side and fade it into the middle. You use the whole width of the fairway. Okay. So easy course for Ram to play if he adopts the discipline attitude off the tee. We shall see. Completing our top 10 is Victor Hovland, another one who's up there very, very often. And his numbers are so solid. The only high number for Hovland really is scrambling. He's 148, but putting average 16th. That approach shot from 150 to 175, he's 10th. His accuracy and greens and reg, he's 54th in both categories. And 
I mean, we're, his current form is awesome too. He's finished 12th, 13th and 14th in his last three tournaments. So there's no surprise. I knew right away that his name was going to be up there this week. I think the only thing that holds Hovland back is he doesn't chip that good. Everybody knows that about him. That's the word on the tour. He's got a little problem there. He's got to fix that. Because what happens when you're not a great chipper, Diane, you start to worry about missing a green where you can't get up and down. I remember personally uh, when I was chipping well, where I was really confident, it just made me hit at every flag because I felt like if I missed, then I could get it up and down. So Hovland has one statistic. I actually think that he's probably a more rounded player than his best mate that played at Oklahoma State, Matthew Wolf. Okay. Wolf gets all the headlines because he bombs it. But yeah. Wolf has issues through the bag in accuracy. When he gets hot, Wolf gets hot. When he gets cold, we saw what he did last week at CJ Cup. He wasn't even able to drive his great game across town and keep it last week, Diane. Very undisciplined for Wolf. However, they're young. We'll give him a, we'll give him a pass. Hovland, on the other hand, has everything going for him except one stat. Got to be working on that chipping, and I think everything's going to be fine. He'll play this course great. Okay, right. So that's our top 10 this week for the Zozo. Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Johnson, as I said, with a bit of a question mark over him still. Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Terrell Hatton, Russell Henley, John Ram, and Victor Hovland. They've got room to make an error or two and still be right there. Now, some of the other players that we're going to talk about in our uh, show today, they've got to play well all the way to come up. Those guys there have the big advantage, Diane, that they can have an off day and still we see what Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, they can come back. So they're the best position, the guys, to win the tournament outright. Well, we're going to go right into our sizzlers. And our sizzlers are guys that are making big jumps up in our re-ranking and have pretty good odds as well. The guy we're starting with we're so hot on right now. I mean, he just won his first ever victory on the PGA Tour. And Jason Kokrak right now is 50 to 1. He comes in at number 12 in our SG Tour re-ranking. I think Kokrak will do much the same. I haven't spoken to him yet. I, I left him a long message last night. Um, look, he obviously is on top of the world today. I think Kokrak should be able to go to LA and just adopt the same uh, you know, strategy just played at the CJ Cup. He's not going to be able to use his driver. Just do the same thing, crack. That's what I would tell him. And I think everything's going to fall into place for him this week. Honestly, I think it's a great bet at 50 to 1. What I loved is all the post round stuff with Kokrak after he won yesterday. He gave his caddy, D-Rob, so much credit because he really trusts his caddy when it comes to reading the greens. So if you have a caddy that you trust that much and is that good at reading the greens, then like, what an amazing confidence boost that is. Well, of course, they're sitting on top of the cloud nine right now. Obviously, his caddy gave him some good reads, felt very confident. He putted out of his mind last week. It was top 10 for him, which is excelling in that category for him. is awesome. Very fast greens, too. So the caddy, obviously, when you play super fast greens, and we're going to see him again this week, you don't just get up there and read all the curve. You say, okay, I've got to hit this putt this speed. And then you read how much curve it is. So he, obviously the caddy is some sort of a genius to be able to read all that for him. Got a very confident feel with him. Kokrak, cross-handed, just knocking him in from all over the place. It was great to see. 
and we talk about outperforming that stat, he's 177th on the PGA Tour in putting average. So it's blatantly obvious. And we have talked about everything else, how the, the accuracy and the greens and reg, he was so on top of. And he just has to go and do the same again with that amazing confidence that comes from getting that win. And the 1.77 butt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our second sizzler is another guy that we have a bit of a connection to because we know his coach, Bradley Hughes, very well. And Bradley's kind of filled us in on this guy's journey from the very beginning of this comeback, which has been an amazing comeback. But Brendan Todd, who, Elk, when I think of Todd, I think of accuracy off the tee. Yeah, when I think about a sizzler, a true person that has the best chance that we're not quite thinking about, we call him a sizzler, that would play well this week. I'm turned exactly to the guy who's the most accurate swinger off the tour. Has superior alignments, Diane. His alignments, his swing alignments are superior off the tee. Ball goes straight. The stats tell a little bit of a story. And um, fourth in accuracy, he's third in scrambling. So he gets himself out of trouble. But his greens and regulation, he's 138th. I mean, that goes hand in hand with the scrambling stat, I guess. But if you're so accurate off the tee, how can your greens and reg be so much higher? It's a good question. It could be, it could be so confident and so aggressive, knowing that if he just misses the green, he's so good a chipper yeah. that he can get it up and down. So to me, sometimes if you're that good a chipper, you tend to see the greens in reg a little higher, Diane, because they're so aggressive. And when you're on, he's a great putter. You, you left that one out, I think. He's a great putter, right? <laughs> he is 32nd on the PGA Tour. Okay. That's top top 10% yeah. on the tour. So, yeah, I think he's aggressive, and I like yeah. it. And oh. I think he's going to do well this week. Okay, well, talking of aggressive players, our third sizzler is Patrick Reed. I should say very quickly that Brendan Todd is 80 to 1. So, that's very good, good, good value. Odds. Yeah. Um, Patrick Reed is 25 to 1, but we have him as a sizzler this week. I mean, putting average, Patrick Reed is second, right? We know that that's a real strength of his game. Scrambling, he's 21st. There's a few other stats. His accuracy, again, is high, but it might not be such a factor this week. When I think about Patrick Reed, forget all the controversial stuff and he won the Masters, good and bad stuff he's done. When I think about a, a tour player, Diane, he has got one of the best techniques to hit middle-range iron shots. Okay. Great chipper. Jason Duffner, a bunch of guys say nobody chips better than Patrick Reed, and hardly anyone puts better under pressure than Patrick Reed. This is kind of my pick this week. This is kind of out on the ledge for me, but this is out of the out of left field. But I think Patrick Reed's going to play unreal. I started to think about Graham McDowell. I started to think about guys that are good iron players. You know, mm-hmm. Zach Johnson is one here. Jim Fury. Patrick Reed is fits that. Fits that mold for me, Diane. Okay, I like. I mean, sometimes you just get a feel. You know these guys, you know their games, so you can throw his name into the mix. It's all right. <laughs> so our three sizzlers are Jason Kokrak, Brendan Todd, and Patrick Reed. But now we have to do the guys at the opposite end. Our fizzlers, the big name guys that we just don't think when you look at all their stats are going to go out and do it. And the first one is a guy coming off a win on the PGA Tour Champions. He's teed up twice on that tour. He's won both times. Phil Mickelson, we're talking about. Um, 
when he's doing the PGA Tour champions now and then he comes back and plays on the PGA Tour. I mean, we saw it at the Safeway Open. He couldn't hit a fairway. He missed the cut at winged foot massively. I mean, what is it about Phil and taking the momentum from the Champions Tour back to the PGA Tour? Well, of course, we all know Phil. He's he's always got a story to tell us <laughs> and he just won two events in a row on the Champions Tour. The big question that I cannot put him on a list with this week, Diane, is he's in love with hitting his driver. He just had a new driver last week, and I think he was he's killing those guys over there off the tee, the 50-year-olds, my group. Will he play disciplined at Sherwood? Will he come out there all confident, and will he be able to try to bomb it down there a mile? I just – don't know if he'll play disciplined golf. So I, I've got to put him as a fizzler, Diane. I just can't put – I don't think Phil's going to come out there and lay it up off the tee. I just don't. I don't think he can beat the young guys anymore out there, and okay. particularly if he doesn't play the right game this week. I just don't think Phil Mickelson's going to play the, the – you know, I think he's going to try to play the power game. Okay. Um, my next question – why does Tommy Fleetwood not play well on the PGA Tour anymore? <laughs> He's got we the haven't... Monty syndrome. He's got the Monty syndrome. He caught it from Monty. What what happened to Fleetwood? Isn't it He's, weird? Uh, one of the great strikers. Every time we see him play in England, we see him with about two inches of grip down on the grip, driving that ball into the greens over there in that nasty weather. I saw him play at uh, Scotland recently. Yeah. Tommy Fleetwood looks unbeatable. Over here, he, he doesn't do anything. Well, we have him as our second fizzler. His numbers are not good. He's 181st in approach from 150 to 175, 152nd in scrambling, 159th in putting average. How can Tommy Fleetwood be that high in putting average? I don't understand it, Diane. It's got to be attitude. There's got to be somewhere that we can tell Tommy that, you know, his swing action is great. He can play over here. He can do – I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep into Tommy on this deal, but, you know, he's got the talent. It's just he is not in form in America, and I don't know what's going on. I mean, you think about Graham McDowell, won on this course twice. You would think Tommy Fleetwood is prepared to look at the stats and go, hey, I've got to get this in the fairway. You would think that would be the easiest thing for him to do. So, you know, we have to put him as a fizzler this week. It's a big-name player. We don't think he's going to perform. So that's why he's on our list this week. Our final fizzler is a guy who is a major champion in California. He won the US Open last year at Pebble Beach. But Gary Woodland has not been showing up recently. Well, Gary Woodland is a friend of mine. Uh, I think I want to say, um, you know, Woodland won the US Open. He hasn't quite had the form. He has a set of twins at home that are probably dragging him down a little bit. And when he gets out to the out to the tournament, Diane, it's a, it's a relief to get out and go to work, but he just hasn't quite put it together. Uh, Woodland's a long hitter. I hope he looked at what happened with Kokrak last week and adopt that. I don't know, but I, right now I don't see I have to put him on the fizzle list because he just doesn't have the form. He's 102nd in driving accuracy, approach from 150 to 175. He's 146th on the PGA Tour. But, you know, those are his big numbers, but nothing else is really standing out. Greens and regs, 65th, putting average, 70th, scrambling, 73rd. And he really has no form right now at all. So Gary Woodland is one of our fizzlers. Now we're on to our favourite part of the show. Well, it's mine because it's always a little bit fun. And uh, I think after my dark horse pick of Martin Laird a few weeks ago, I'm just like riding high on the dark horse picks, even though I didn't do great last week. But whatever. I mean, you golfers have uh, to have short memories. Isn't that right? There was 
there's no cut last week. It's hard to tell. <laughs> you know, it's know. tough. Thanks for sticking up for me. Right. Do you want to go first with your dark horse pick this week? I do. You were lucky enough to tell all of Scotland last year, two weeks ago that uh, Martin Laird at 251. Well, I'm delighted to tell Canadian fans there Adam Hadwin at 151, 150 to one this week, Diane, would be my dark horse pick as being the most value. Hadwin is, you've got the stats in front of you. I don't. He hits it very straight. He's a very accurate player and he's a good putter in my mind. Uh, what are his stats? Will you run them down for me? Well, he's 40th in driving accuracy, which is good. Um, sixth in that approach shot from 150 to 175. That, that's that's the yeah. whole key this week right there. That's, it. that's like a huge number. And uh, 61st in greens and regulation. Um, you know, they're, they're not bad stats when you put them all together. Hadwin, combined with the fact that he's got pretty decent form of late, is a good pick at 150 to 1. And I remember Ernie Ells at the President's Cup in Australia, putting Hadwin in there in the middle of the heat because he's such a great putter. So I'm banking on that num- that sixth rank of iron play. That's, of course, what I was good at, is hitting irons, irons close to the pin. I like Hadwin a lot on this okay. event. And at 150 to 1, nobody is better value than maybe your pick this week. Okay. So my pick this week is a guy that is known for his accuracy he's not a massive massive hitter but he is I would the thing that I always look at is his he won the RSM classic last year and it was a showdown between him and Webb Simpson at the end and Webb is our number one guy and when I look at them I kind of think that their game is on a similar track in that they're not massive hitters but accuracy is the key and Tyler Duncan is sixth on the PGA Tour right now when it comes to accuracy and that approach shot he's 45th Greens and Reg, he's 83rd. His form of late has been all right. But I just think that like when I saw the RSM when it was him and Webb and the way that Tyler Duncan was and kind of how their games are a little bit parallel, the fact that Webb came out number one this week, I was like at 200 to one, Tyler Duncan is my man. Your man, Tyler Duncan, will play the practice rounds this week at Sherwood Country Club, Diane, and he will realize straight away that he can do what he did at RSM. And the reason is he's going to play these holes, Diane, and he's going to go, oh, so you're telling me that uh, Dustin Johnson and Rory, they have to hit it here where I do off the tee? In other words, I'm not 50 yards behind them? That's going to give him an enormous amount of confidence because he's better from the short, from where mm-hmm. that is into the green that they are. They got all the advantage off the tee, and that's why the whole tables have tipped. And I love Tyler Duncan's pick. I did yeah. not. You're sneaky. I should have <laughs> got that one. So I think both of them are good this week, Adam Hadwin and Tyler Duncan. So we will see how they get on. Right, um, If just before we go, because um, it's been a jam-packed show today with our top 10 guys, our sizzlers, our fizzlers, our dark horses, what are you most looking forward to seeing at Sherwood Country Club this week for the Zozo? Well, Diane, as you uh, thankfully noted that my success at Sherwood, I am looking forward to seeing how these young guys play some of the shots that I actually stood over. One of the great things about watching tournaments like Augusta is we all get to see the same event again, but there's some very narrow holes at uh, this course. Uh, 18, for example, is a beautiful hole. You hit from down 
below over a crest. You can't see where the ball lands. It goes into a beautiful little valley. And then you have the most nastiest second shot over water with a waterfall to a beautiful pin cut right over this nasty bunker on the right. And that's going to be Sunday. I'm just looking forward to seeing, remembering some of the shots that I was lucky enough to hit and see how these guys do it. That is cool. I'm looking forward to seeing Tiger Woods back in action as defending champion. Bearing in mind, he's defending champion of another tournament that's coming up in just over three weeks. I think it's going to be good to see how Tiger is going to get some form going before the Masters. There'll be a lot of things that he needs answers to in his own mind this week. Tiger's always thinking about it, always thinking ahead. And i got to ask you, Diane, will you be thinking about the MASH song? Na, 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 na. <laughs> that was worse than the other time. Will you I'm be gonna, thinking about the MASH song when they come in there this week? I, well, what I'm going to do is go on YouTube the MASH song so that I can actually hear how it sounds instead of that <laughs> rendition that you keep spitting out at me. It's so, so terrible. So another week on the PGA Tour where distance probably isn't going to be the key factor. It's definitely going to be a case of accuracy and hitting those greens. So there's no reason why Jason Kokrak can't go and do it again. Thanks very much for listening to the show. As I said at the beginning, you can watch at sportsgrid.com um, on the SportsGrid network. So if you have a TV streaming app like Roku or Amazon Prime, Apple TV, that kind of thing, um, one of the best ways to watch it is through Zumo, X-U-M-O. I never know if I say that right, but they have the live stream as well. So you can check it out at 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern every single Wednesday. And hopefully our picks work out for you. I am feeling great about my dark horse pick this week of Tyler Duncan. And I think it's really hard to see past Jason Kokrak, the form, if he can keep that going, then this course could be perfect for him and Brendan Todd. So I think we've given you a lot of good names and some good value picks as well. Like when we recorded that Tyler Duncan was 200 to one and even Jason Kokrak 50 to one. So... We'll see how the week pans out. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And if you haven't subscribed already, it would be great if you could do that. And, you know, if you enjoy it, then leave a little review. That would be much appreciated. But you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean or any other app or website that you listen. And we'll be back next week for the Bermuda Championship. Bermuda Championship.